Goodbye. Right. Hey, podcast, welcome to All Things Ride. Um, make sure you follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Strava. And if you haven't joined us on a trip to Tour of Flanders or a Tap to Tour or any other cycling weekend, please get in touch, social or email. Um, inquiries at allthingsride.com. So, quick intro to our guest today. Um, it seems like there's more and more amateur and club cyclists getting professional coaching and getting training plans sorted out for themselves. So over this week, we've managed to grab a bit of time with Craig Stevenson, co-founder, performance director, and sports physiologist at Vitfor. Um, Vitfor are our premium training partner. Any person who books trips with us gets a 50-day trial of their free FTW software. Um, is a list of achievements, train expertise behind the successful Commonwealth gold silver medalists Harry and Charlie Tanfield, the British cycling, is that a cyclocross champion? Is that right? Which one? A oh, mountain bike marathon, maybe. All right, let's start again. Tra- <laughs> training expertise behind the, all right. Training expertise behind the successful Commonwealth gold silver medalist Harry and Charlie Tanfield. And world champion, Charlie. And world, world champion, Charlie, Charlie Tanfield. Charlie won the world championships on the track. <laughs> There you go, start again now. <laughs> oh, let's start again. Training expertise between the successful gold and silver Commonwealth medalists, Charlie and Harry Tanfield, and world champion, yeah. Charlie Tanfield. Charlie did, yeah. World, micro, world mountain bike champion, Amy Souter. Age group world Ironman champion, Clive Kennedy Byrne. National mountain bike champion. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he, he's good. <laughs> um, Specialised in cycling, running, triathlon coach, novice to pro, VO2 max CPE testing and biomechanical bike fitting, qualified diving instructor and recent dad. Hello, Craig. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what, give us a quick o- overview of uh, the services that Vitfor offers and specifically the FTW software. Yeah, so we're a, um, a consultancy company that specializes in um, athletic performance. So we do everything from physiological testing, so lab based stuff. Um, including sort of nutrition work, yeah. strength conditioning, you know, all the way from coaching like the online software, uh, which is a self-learning algorithm, all the way up to you know working with the world tour athletes and, and coaching them. Cool. Um, so we've got a list of questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go through them. They've come in. Some of them coming from my colleagues. Some are coming from other uh, athletes, okay. um, club riders. So I guess starting with what is structured training. And having spent thousands of pounds on new bike kit, <laughs> shoes, nutrition, tips, and events, why would you get it? If you're, av- for, uh, I guess we'll talk about average sort of club riders as yeah, best okay. pros. So I suppose structured riding is anything that involves a thought process to what you're doing, um, yeah. beyond just get on your bike and ride. Yeah, yeah. Um, the advantages and why you do structured training it enables you to focus on different aspects of your riding. So a really sort of oversimplistic um, meta, um, metaphor for this would maybe be yeah, gym yeah. training. So, you know, if you imagine you went to a gym and you did a bit on your arms, a bit on your legs, a bit on your back, a bit on your core, you'd be really tired, feel like you've got a great workout, but you maybe haven't worked any particular element that well. Yeah. yeah. If you were to bring maybe structure into it, you'd say, right, today I'm going to work on legs. Tomorrow, I'm going to let the legs recover. I'm going to work on the back. After that, I'm maybe going to do core. Then I'm going to do chest and arms. So it's about giving each system or, let's say, an area of influence. So it might be climbing or sprinting. Yeah. You know, a, a slot to work on. So saying, right, today, the objective is this. You know, and, and having fun and riding your bike is an objective. Yeah, yeah. So it often results in more time-effective training with better results. Okay. 
So why not follow, just do a training plan like Training Peaks or Zwift? Um, so the differences between those plans, in fact, I would never say don't do one. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at how you can improve your training, there's different levels to this. So, you know, a plan is better than no plan. Absolutely. You know, something and being accountable to something which has focus, that is absolutely going to work. Yeah. But the problem is with generic fixed plans. So here you go, here's six weeks, off you go. Well, that doesn't take into account how you're feeling on any given day. You know, what are you like as an individual? Where are your strengths and weaknesses? How are you responding? What about, what? how much time can you actually ride the bike? Yeah, yeah. You know, so this is where, you know, some learning algorithms or let's say the Vip for FTW software yeah. or even coaching, that's how that's separated from, you know, a, a fixed plan. Yeah. You know, it's then about thinking, okay, how much time do you have to play with today and how are we going to use that? Because you generally do your coaching in conjunction with doing a physiological test or that's more often than not how it works? Yeah, so... When, depending on the level that an individual's coming to see us, depends on you know what what we do. So, um, I suppose the most entry level is would be the FTW software. It's by yeah. no means entry level, but our entry level. Um, and you go through a brief survey, and you can even have a chat to one of our coaches, which will help you understand your goals and needs. Now, if we were going to look at a coaching program, a higher tier one, where you actually work with uh, one of our coaches. Absolutely, you know, it's compulsory to come into the lab. Right, and yeah, yeah. the reason why is, you know, we need to understand where you're at, you know, where your strengths and weaknesses are. Now, a really oversimplified analogy would be if you imagine a hybrid car, you know, imagine you've got that petrol engine, electric engine, want to know how fast the car will go, how do I make that car faster? Yeah. Well, is it the size of the electric battery? Don't need, is it how fuel efficient is it? You know, what um, is the size of the petrol engine? You know, how's its torque? You know, when does the electric engine help? It's all these different things. So you could be, you know, working on one area of training, but physiologically, that system, you might have got all the easy gains out of it. Yeah. So see very little progress. Would you say it's more, you're better off getting a physiological test to make full use of being coached? Yeah. And so because of that, that that's why testing is compulsory right. before we coach. Because it's like saying, you know, you, you can't really coach someone effectively without understanding their body properly. Right. Otherwise, what are we going to do? You know, and, and people say, oh, well, I want to increase my threshold. I do threshold training. It's not actually as simple as that. And at the risk of getting a little bit too complex, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if your threshold power is at 80% of your VO2 max, things like sweet spot training, you know, the traditional, you know, just below the yeah, threshold, yeah, yeah. it's probably not going to work. You know, maybe we need to develop your VO2 max first. Now, that's a really simplistic way of looking at it, but it is how it kind of fits. And there's lots of different intersections with this, and building that picture and understanding what will work—that's what the testing is all about. Okay, so I got specific question that I do. Like, um, do you have a power meter on your outdoor bike in order to be able to do the training? Like, I can you do all the coach training on indoor bike, and then on the weekends just go out and ride yeah. without a power meter, basically? I think when you there's no absolutes yeah i think the first thing with any training program that anyone wants to partake in there's no absolutes it's not you need power here you have to do this you have to do that the whole point of any training program it has to be flexible yeah you know it's got to fit why do we ride the bike first of all it's normally for enjoyment for most of people so you've yeah. got to do it where you want to do it um if you had to choose you know having it in one place or another i'd say yeah have it on an indoor bike the reason why generally indoor monotony it's a bit more dull 
you know, having some more structure there, something to follow makes yeah. time pass quicker. And it's more effective if you've got that quick hour after work or before. You know, the weekends, generally people have more free time. You know, get out and enjoy your bike. You know, it is useful to have power, but power doesn't always work with some cycling clubs and I mean, things like that. So. Personally, I find it a lot more effective to train indoors during the week because I know if I've got a lot of things going on, baby, family, etc. You do an hour and a half, it's, that is an hour and a half of focused effort and it's done whereas on the weekends maybe a club ride it's difficult to, to do that or if you're just out riding your bike it's a bit yeah. difficult to be focused and you get a punch or you get a coffee or a, you know. I, I, absolutely I mean one of the easiest ways to assess the quality of a session when you've done your ride if you do use anything like heart rate or power for reference how much time have you spent in each training zone yeah. you know, often when you look at club rides you spend an inordinate amount of time freewheeling or yeah. recovery pace and then you might have little bits randomly dispersed a bit of everything which is great it's great fun and good conditioning yeah. but if you compare that to one of your midweek sessions on a turbo actually nearly all of your time spent indoors will be you know, in one of those effective training zones yeah okay well um, the next question I guess would be <laughs> What's the one piece of advice you give clients that you know they'll probably ignore, forget, marginalize? Like every time you do a test with someone, a new client, club rider, let's talk about club rider specifically, you know that whatever you tell them, this one thing, they're probably not going to do it. Um, <laughs> not, don't name they, names. They, no, they, slow down. <laughs> it, slow down. It's, it, it takes a lot of getting your head around, especially for newer guys that we work with. You know, slow down. You know, make your slow ride slower. Yeah, I mean, if you imagine someone goes out for three hours, you can ride at a reasonable pace for three hours, but it's not really hard enough to develop your top end systems. But it's actually quite hard to leave you feeling quite tired. Which, yeah, if that's yeah, the goal yeah. for the day, by all means, you know, ride it like that. But when you start putting a training program or some form of structure together, you've got to think about okay, do that three hours hard. Actually, maybe if I made it 10, 15 percent easier, I get 95 percent of the training adaptation. But actually, I'd also have energy to do a really good effective session the following day or day after that yeah. even. Yeah, so slow down. You know, give a little bit more focus and be really um, yeah, focused on what you're trying to achieve. It's okay. very easy to make everything mid-zone and the same. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, is there a rough guesstimate as to what gain someone would make in a focused three-month on being trained by VIT4 period? <laughs> I wish you oh, could put that to numbers. Um, it's so variable. It depends yeah. on who it is. What I can say from the data that we've got, we've made everyone faster yep. without exception so far. Um, that will change <laughs> inevitably. Um, in terms of realm, you know, the, the sort of range, oh, it depends on the starting point. You can't put a number to it. We've had guys, you know, coming at a, you know, relatively modest thresholds of 160 and end up with 260. Yeah. You know, if someone comes in with a threshold power of 330, obviously it's much harder to improve in the first place, but it'll help. It's very hard to put a number on that there by how much. What are junk miles, in your opinion? <laughs> Too much of a certain form of training, which means its effectivity to your development isn't there. I think that sums it quite well. So to sort of break that down a bit more, you know, it's if you're going out and doing a club ride, if the first time you do it, I wouldn't class that as junk miles because it has purpose. You know, it's enjoyment. Yeah. And it's, it's been effective at, one, getting used to riding a bunch and, you know, that maybe more surgy nature of the group. Um, it's great. Okay, if you did it, that's all you did, 
that kind of advantage of the gains that you get from that effectively diminish because your body's used to it, you're used to riding the wheels and you're getting very little from it. It's no longer the most effective use of your time. The miles would become more junk miles. So it's a mile that's not really achieving anything as objectively as it could do, but at the same time it's fatiguing you. And a lot of club runs, the more you do them, the more often you do them tend to end up with a beer. Oh, the beer's good. Amazing for recovery. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to take that away from you, Maury. <laughs> Um, if you're a dedicated club rider with limited midweek time would you still recommend being coached? you could argue it's probably more important to be coached um, when you look at some of our pro athletes then you know they're spending 25 to 30 hours a week sometimes more you know training now when you've got that amount of time you can almost do a bit of everything and the junk miles don't matter so much because you, you know, you're doing so much. Yeah. If someone's maybe got four hours to play with throughout the week, well, that four hours isn't a lot of time. So you need to make sure that every single minute that you're doing is going to have an effect. So you know, if you improve each session by ten minutes in its terms of its effectivity, well, actually, if you're only doing four hours, that ten minutes is a huge percentage. Yeah. You know, so you often find that you can get bigger gains or improvements from people following structured programs from guys who are riding modest hours from let's say 4 to 10 when you start getting to 12 14 and, and above yeah, yeah. It, it's actually easier because they're, they're probably ticking more boxes anyway just with the volume of riding okay. I've met quite a few VIT4 trained athletes are your clients because mm. I ride with quite a few of them up here in Harrogate and they're quite a varied bunch Take for example, some of the people I ride with the Capos versus the guys who came on the tap the tour with us, Bob Watson, who's what, 65, 70? Yeah, so Bob, yeah. Is, that, is this a newer, having people come along to do VIT4 who aren't necessarily elite level cyclists, they're more club riders, is this a, a newer thing? Has this come around recently? And is there No, it, it, it's always had more club level riders. Really? Yeah, I think... Has it grown in the last couple of years? Yeah, definitely. I mean... It's a bit like an arms race, you know. You, first of all, you saw it with everyone getting the carbon bikes, carbon yeah. wheels, and now even winter bikes. I mean, okay, I've still got a sturdy five hundred pound aluminium bike, you know. But I'd say ninety five percent of the people I ride with are all online. Guilty, That's yeah. <laughs> Bling winter bikes, and it becomes a bit of an arms race, you know. And then I'd say a couple of years ago that it's probably started, well, even longer ago, maybe you know three or four years ago, people start to think about the training more. You know, the the availability of things like power meters, heart rate monitors, general knowledge you know yeah. and, and people being more aware aware of the health and fitness just as a population and um, you know the pro riders are already getting coached yeah, yeah you know so if we look at where the new market is for this it is really these you know aspiring what do you call them weekend, weekend warriors yeah. yeah i don't like to say that but, yeah um, which actually a lot of them aren't weekend warriors you know most of them actually do <laughs> every reason. day yeah absolutely and solid training you know plenty of excuses for network rides <laughs> We promote multiple events, so Tap the Tour versus Tour of Flanders. So one is a mountains Grand Fondo, 15,000 people, long, steady climbs. The others, say Tour of Flanders or Tour de Yorkshire Sporty, which is a bit punchier, so five to six minute climbs. Would you recommend certain ways of training for a Tour of Flanders versus a Tap the Tour? Um, there will be subtleties, but the fundamentals are actually pretty similar. Um, when you talk about how someone can perform in an event, ultimately, um, you know, it's an endurance event, both of those. 
you know, if you think of in, in the running world, you know, a long course running event will last, what, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah. You know, and the reason why they call this is to do with the energy systems that we use. So both of those events that you just sort of alluded to or relate, uh, reference to, yeah, yeah. Um, it's an endurance event. Therefore, the energy systems and, and what we need to be good at are the same. Um, the small subtleties with how you change, it's to do with punchiness. So yeah. it, what's going to make you good at both of those rides is going to have a good aerobic foundation, good endurance and resilience to fatigue. Yeah. Okay, Trying to keep it simple, not going too deep. Um, but, that's, diff- <laughs> that's difficult for you it? it can be um, but where the subtleties would lie you know in your alpine rides you know if there's no demand or very little demand for high power efforts above threshold yep. let's say so actually you wouldn't need to condition your body to that yet if you're looking at shorter punchier climbs as you said for three to six minutes actually some of those gradients I mean, you're above threshold no matter what you do. You yep. know, you couldn't possibly get over the hill in some people's cases. So, um, ultimately, you'd want that good aerobic engine. Yeah. Still, you'd want to have resilience fatigue. Now, where the subtle difference would be, you would then do more specific training to that event. So, trying to replicate what you're going to have to do on the day as you get closer to it. So, six months out, probably very little difference in your training. You know, twelve weeks out might be quite a bit of difference where on one of them you might be going out and doing you know zone five so vo2 hill repeats yeah where on, on the other one you might be going somewhere like the 168 which is um for those that don't know it's a long draggy flat um it runs parallel to a to a motorway chain gang section chain gang section oh, okay, absolutely yeah. where you might just ride in a slightly harder gear and simulate 20 30 minute efforts yep you know it's it's not that you know one's better than the other it's just that it's getting you conditioned or used to what you're gonna have to do on yeah. event day because i was surprised i i mean for 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 openness i use it for so i used it last year leading up to the mallorca 312 and mm. i was surprised how much all the high intensity stuff i did helped me out on an event which is essentially like zone two for yeah nine hours and then maybe a little bit of zone three four five at the end yeah, and, and the, this is what I mean, you know, people think these long, slow days in the saddle, you don't need the high intensity, but you do. And when we come down to looking at how hard you can ride for a, for a given duration, it fundamentally comes down to two things. So one is, what is your conditioning to endurance? And then the other one is, where's that as a percentage of your pace? Yeah. So some of the listeners may, may get this. So, you know, if you think of your FTP, yeah, we could say, right, well, for one hour, that's what you can do. Yeah. For two hours, maybe someone could do 90%. You know, for four hours, maybe someone could do 70%. Yeah. Now, what percentage you could ride of that will ultimately come down to how good, and using it as an inclusive term, your endurance systems are. You know, so if someone's used to doing a lot of, you know, endurance training, steady miles, good long rides on the weekend, they could probably hit the 312 and ride around at 75% of the threshold, for yeah. example. Yeah. If someone's just doing intervals all the time, not a chance. They'd have to go around at 55%. For right, example, okay, yeah. a 10 hour day now the reason why the intervals still work on the longer stuff is okay it might not increase the percentage that you can ride at but it increases the speed associated with that percentage okay does that make sense yeah so you can either one ride at a higher percentage or two increase the speed that you go at any given percentage okay which is your speed work so because of this people who have time restrictive training like yourself that intensive element you know, is nearly always more time effective. So yeah. if you had to choose one thing, get the intensity, because that will have better use of your time in terms of the stress it puts on your body, but it's gonna make you faster. Yeah. You might not be able to ride 
relatively as hard around the event, but because you are faster, you will go around the event faster at a lower level of exertion. And I guess with the element of those kind of events, closed road particularly, you've got massive groups. So if you can just make sure you hang with one of these groups for a given period of time, you're getting quite a large saving in terms of energy being in the group. Yeah, riding in the group, you, it, yeah, it, crazy amounts of energy yeah. saved in a group. I mean, the 312, okay, you've got to get through the first section, which is quite hilly. You know, if you get through that first section with a group of riders, you've, I don't want to say a free ride, but it's not far off a free ride. Yeah, to the end, a know. short few punchy climbs, which hopefully your high intensity stuff will prepare you for, do those, you stay with a group. Yeah. Um, perfect. You coach female, female athletes. Sorry. You coach female athletes. Does your approach differ female to male? No. So just a, no. Yeah, and you know, the approach that we use is what's right for the individual. You know, when we're coaching at any level, whether it be the FTW software or you know, the top end one-to-one coaching things we do, um, everyone's treated how they respond individually. Um, and when we look at the difference between genders, male and female, actually the difference isn't that big compared to natural individual variability. So, you know, I've got plenty of female riders that we look after and even runners that would beat 90, 95% of the men that we work with yeah. and could do things better. So you, you can't categorise by gender. It really is, you know, what can you do individually? Therefore, what is the right training for you and how do you respond yeah, and yeah. adapt and deal with it? Okay, cool. A um, couple of short ones then. Um, 2020 personal event goals? What are you doing? Oh, mine. Um, see if I can actually get some fitness. Um, obviously, having our first child, Ollie, um, last year, pretty much put everything to a halt through willingness you know I just wasn't willing <laughs> to train and, and do things um, this year I have got a couple of events in um, most notably I'm on Barcelona at the end of the year um, whether my ego will let me compete if I'm not fit we'll have to wait and see we've got you out in as well oh yeah Mallorca through and two yeah forgot about that one um, yeah that'll be a good fun day out training event that one. training event yes um, what's your favourite type of riding or training or is, it that, is that a different question? Um, no, I think I'm very much one of these guys who's very guilty of mid-zone training. I love going out for a hard day, massively overriding and kicking people in, or getting kicked <laughs> in, as more often than not is the case. Um, yeah, I just like a good hard day out with my mates. <laughs> you do have a reputation. <laughs> um, oh, where's the best place to ride your bike? Apart from Yorkshire. Oh, well, apart from Yorkshire. Yeah. Do you ride a bike outside of Yorkshire? Shouldn't <laughs> Um, my personal favourite is probably Southern Spain. Okay. You know, one of our um, one of our business, well, one of the guys involved with Vitfor with us lives on the south coast of Spain. Um, yeah, around Granada, that sort of area, just love it. Perfect tarmac, never used. Climbs as much as you want, or run around the foothills. Do you want Sierra Nevada, that area? Yeah, Sierra Nevada, Andalusia. Okay. Love it around there. Watch this space for the 2021 Vitfor Sierra Nevada training camp. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, perfect. Craig, thanks so much for taking time to chat with us. Um, if you want to find out more about Vitfor, then head to www.vitfor.com. That's V-I-T-F-O-R.com. Um, if you want to go, and if you want to get out to one of our All Things Ride events, then please get in touch on social media or email us at inquiries at allthingsride.com. That's inquiries at allthingsride.com. And we'll get another podcast live soon. Check back with us regularly until then. Until then, we'll get another podcast live soon. So check back with us regularly. So until then, stay safe and respect other road users. 
Thanks very much, Craig. No worries, anytime. Cheers. That wasn't too long. <laughs>